Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we're doing a series called Passing Through. It kind of comes from the concept where Peter begins his epistle here, 1 Peter, by referring to his readers as pilgrims, strangers, who are are passing through in this life. And, And really, that's what we are as believers. Yes, you are a part of Clearfield County. You live in Clearfield County, or maybe you're a part of Clearfield or Kerwinsville, and this is where you've been all your life, or you just moved here or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, ultimately, when you think about life and eternity, you're only here for just a short period of time. You're only passing through. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there is something far more for you later on. And because of that, because you are a stranger here, as a follower of Jesus, he gives you things for you to live the life that he wants you to live here. But here's the problem. The problem is that for a lot of believers, we understand salvation, we understand that it's by faith, it's not what I do for salvation, it's what Jesus has done for me, and I put my trust in Christ and I'm saved, but that's as far as it goes as far as the Christian life. We don't really have any concept beyond that about how we should be living our lives, and we become defeated by our sin, we think that God doesn't accept us because of our sin and the things that we do, we struggle. And we kind of feel like we're left on our own to go through life. And life is difficult, right? We've talked about that already as we've gone through the first chapter. Life is difficult. But the reality is, is that God doesn't leave you that way. He gives you what you need to know to live the life that he wants you to live while you're here. But the sad fact is, is that a lot of us actually live our life in ignorance. And so I just want to point out a couple of things about this ignorance that we're dealing with here. Here's how most believers live. And I know this because I once lived my life like this. We have a tendency to live life by going with the flow. We have a tendency to live life by going with the flow. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, your day usually is dictated by whatever your schedule is. Maybe you've got a work schedule, and you have to do certain things at a certain time. You've got to be here for appointments. You've got this work to do. Your day is also dictated by stuff that happens around you that is forcing you to do things. So like if it's winter outside and we have snow, sometimes the weather forces us to change our day. But typically we go through life with a flow of how our day goes. And to be honest with you, you can actually go through life without thinking very much. Because some of you, your life is so routine, Monday's this, Tuesday's this, Thursday's this, in the afternoons I'm taking the kids here for this, and you know, they got to do this in the morning and this in the evening, and that's the summer, and you know, it's, you can just kind of go through life going with the flow, and a lot of us, can I be honest with you, that's how we live our Christian lives. We go with the flow. We go with the flow, can I bet, it's not based just on what our schedule is, we go with the flow based upon our feelings. 
how I'm feeling that day. Whether or not I woke up perky or chipper in the morning. Some of you are not morning people. You never wake up perky or chipper in the morning, right? And you kind of go with the flow. And going with the flow also means that you kind of go with the flow of where the culture is going. What the culture thinks that you should be saying is correct or not correct. What the culture is saying that you should respond this way or not respond that way. And so for a lot of us, we kind of go through the flow. Now here's the problem. The problem is, that's not what God created you to do. He didn't create for you just to kind of live your life mindlessly going with the flow of everything that's stimulating you around you. He actually has a purpose for you. He actually has something that he wants for you to accomplish now. He actually has given you things for you to live the life that he wants you to live. He wants you to live in victory. So stop for a moment. When you think about it, think about it for a moment about the sin that you always give in to. You don't need to think too hard about that. I don't know what it is, but you know. All of us here are human beings, so there's one tendency that all of us have to do, and we know that it's not something that we should be doing. We know that it's something that we know that God doesn't want us to do. And you have a tendency to always fall into that, right? Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. Okay. How did that happen? Because we go with the flow. So a lot of us are going with the flow. We live defeated lives. We have no expectation of God doing anything in our lives. And that's where we're at. Now, I'm going to make the point that I've made for the last four weeks. And it's true even to this point today. You will never rise above your perception of yourself. You never rise above it. When you look at scripture and you look, especially we're going to look at a passage today where he says, be holy as I am holy. That's a pretty high standard, right? Be holy as I am holy. Would you say that the standard of holiness that God has is pretty high? Yeah, I'd say that's pretty, pretty high. Can we achieve that? No, not on earth, okay? It's not possible. But yet that's the standard God's laying out there for us. And, but yet, if we go with the flow, we're never going to make that standard. We're not going to rise above it. And so we kind of go on living our life in ignorance. But God doesn't want you to be ignorant. In fact, he gives you the word of God for a reason. Not just to tell you what not to do, but tell you how to live your life. The life that he gave you. The life that he wanted you to have. And that's what we're going to see today in our passage. We're going to look specifically at verses 13 through 16. And, and, and I've been thinking about these verses for the last four days. These are powerful verses if you understand what he's saying. And I'm going to help you to understand. So look with me, verse 13. Here's what he says. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. All right, now what's going on here? Well, we're going to actually see a couple of things here. We're going to see how you and I need to take control. See, when you go with the flow, who's in control? The flow. 
But you and I have to make the decision to take control. Then what we're going to see is that he moves into the issue of personal holiness. Now, when I say that, can I be honest with you? Some of you immediately are going to be like, oh my goodness, did he use that word? Holiness? Now, why would they cringe? Maybe some of you aren't aware of it, but years ago, maybe some of you were old enough to remember being in a church or know of churches where personal holiness was stressed all the time. And what I mean by that is when they stressed personal holiness, they gave you a huge list of what you could and could not do. It usually meant a list of rules. Now, do you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know what I'm talking about now? Okay. So the rules would include you can't go to a restaurant that serves alcohol. You can't park out in front of the liquor store here in town for fear that somebody might see, think that you were actually in that liquor store. You think they would have a rule about that? Oh, yeah, they'd have a rule about that. You can't go to the movie house. What's a movie house? That's the term they used to say for a theater. You can't go to the movies. You can't watch certain programs on TV. I've had a gentleman tell me you can't go to a VCR rental place. What's a VCR? Excuse me, a DVD rental place, right? If I said beta, you wouldn't even really know what that is, right? Think about all of this. You have to dress a certain way. You have to, personal holiness. But we're going to see that that's not what he's talking about here. So don't be fearful. I'm not going there. But I'm going to go where the scripture takes us. So we're going to talk about taking control. And we're going to talk about personal holiness. All right, let's talk about taking control. He says it right here in verse 13. This one verse talks about taking control. And we're going to see that he's going to tell us to take control in three areas. Now, he starts off by saying, gird up the loins of your mind. Hold on, hold on a second, George. What in the world is he talking about there? Gird up the loins of our mind. We don't even use that kind of language today. Gird up the loins. What is that? Well, if you remember, in their culture, dudes did not wear pants. Okay? In their culture, they wore robes. Yes, Tom. You're saying, what? Yeah, yes. Okay. They wore robes, and they would flo go down to their ankles. Now, guys, have you ever run in a dress <laughs> that goes down to your ankle? You ever run? No. There, there's just no way to do it. And they didn't back then. That's when they said you needed to gird up your loins. So how would they do that? They, well, they would reach down between their legs and grab a hold of the hem and bring it up and tuck it into their belt. So then it would be like they had a pair of pants on. And you can what? Run. Now, do you understand what it means to gird up your loins? It means to take control. It means to take control. And you're going to see three things here. Let me read the passage to you again. I'm going to show you the three things. And I'm going to talk about these today because this is relevant to you and I. Because I was thinking over the last three days, I said, you know, I'm preaching this passage, but this is relevant to me. Listen to what he says. Therefore, gird up your loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the three things. Number one, you have to take action to prepare your mind for the day. 
You have to take action to prepare your mind for the day. Remember I told you we're used to routines, we're used to going with the flow. When you go with the flow, do you understand what I'm saying? Like when I get up in the morning and I'm going with the flow, I have my routine down. I do the same thing every morning. I can almost guarantee you that a lot of you are doing the same thing every morning. In fact, if something's out of place in the morning, like maybe the kids move something and you can't find what you normally grab a hold of, your co favorite coffee cup didn't get washed, and you're like, oh, my coffee mug, I don't even know where there's another coffee mug in the house. And you got a whole cabinet full. But your routine's been messed up. Well, what's going on there? You just kind of go with the flow. You don't even think about it. Because you don't have to think much. And if you think about a day by day that we go through, you don't even need to think much. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. When you think about the sin that you constantly are giving into, I can almost guarantee you, you're not thinking much. You're just going with what your body wants to do. And what he's saying here now is, is you need to take action. You need to gird up your loins to prepare your mind each day. Now, you say, that's wonderful, George. Are you sure about that? Hey, I'm going to tell you something. This whole concept of getting control of your mind is throughout the New Testament. Throughout the New Testament. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to the image of this world, but be what? Transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Listen to this. I was just reading this while we were singing today. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Well, actually, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Listen to verse 5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's bringing every thought into obedience. That's saying you've got to take control. You've got to take control of the way you're thinking. Listen, folks, I'm not telling you something new. Listen, if you've had any dealings with anybody who's had any kind of an addiction problem, which isn't that really an issue in our community now? And all of us have maybe had someone who has struggled with addictions of some type. What do we tell them to do? Quit hanging out with the same people you're always hanging out with, right? Change your routines. Quit hanging around the influences. Why? You want them to break the flow of where they're just kind of mindlessly going into whatever they're going into and finding themselves back into the same problem again. You want them to what? Take control of their what, folks? Minds. This is what he's saying here. Jesus Christ gave you hope. He didn't just give you hope. He gave you a new life, a new identity. He told you that life is going to be tough, but you just wait, you hold on to him. He's told us already that he's given us the word that you can be sure about. That's where your hope rests. So now, as you live in your life in this world, you take control of your mind because you need to so that you can live differently. Take control of your mind. Nobody else can do that for you. You're the only one who can do that. 
So that's why in Philippians he talks about whatever is pure, whatever is holy, think on those things. Why? Because it's your mind. You feed your mind with garbage, guess what? Garbage is going to come out. Do you know what I'm saying? But if you feed your mind on what's right, you're going to be encouraged to do what's right. So that's the first one. You have to take action to prepare your mind. Here's the other one. You have to take action to be in control of yourself. When you're going with the flow, I can almost guarantee you, you are not in control. Your body is in control. When you're going, if you're not thinking about what you're doing, you're just going to go with it. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, you're like, my body's in control. My, no, my body's never in control. I'm in control of my body. Really? That's the way we are. We function in life that way. We don't think a lot. We just respond to our desires. So he says here in this passage, he says the word, be sober. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, that word sober in the New Testament means more than just abstaining from alcohol. It means being in control of yourself. Now, we use it in our culture to mean abstaining from drugs or alcohol, right? But it's so much more than that. It means abstaining from giving in to the desires of your life, of your flesh, and doing what you want to just do because you're just kind of going along with the flow. So you have to take control of yourself. Now, here's the third thing that you have to take control of you have to take action with. You have to take action to rest your hope on the fulfillment of your salvation. This is so important. In fact, I would say without this, you really can't do the other two. Look at what he says here. Verse 13. And rest your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, what is this grace that's to be brought to us? Well, that grace that is to be brought to us is when you and I finally experience salvation in its fullness. What does that mean? Well, now we've experienced salvation because we've been accepted by God, we've been forgiven, but salvation in its fullness is coming is when what? We receive a new body. We go to be with him. This body that is controlled by carnal desires is cast off and we receive a new body. We'll be with him forever. We'll live forever. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering. He'll wipe away every tear. We'll experience that. The battle that we have, like when I talked about the sins that you struggle with, it's a battle, isn't it? And if we're honest with ourselves, we're not doing too good in that battle. But that battle will be over. Now here's the thing. If I'm going to live the life that he wants me to live, and I'm not going to go with the flow and live ignorantly and just do whatever I want to do, thinking I'm okay, the reality is, is that you need to grasp that there's something more for you later on. that you're only here temporarily and that your hope is at a destination later. And because you have that hope, 
You can take control of your mind and live the way that he wants you to live right now. You can live soberly, taking control of your desires and your actions. Take control. It's possible. You can live the life God wants you to live. In fact, he tells you to. Because that's what verse 14 through 16 talk about. Verse 14 through 16 talk about personal holiness, which I'm going to be honest with you folks, I've been a pastor now over 20 years. I've been a believer over 30. We kind of go from one extreme to another. I can remember when I first got saved, there was the big list of do's and don'ts. Now we've swung completely over to the other side is just love Jesus, Jesus loves you, do whatever you want to do, Jesus loves you. We've got to swing back to a balance. Not legalism, but not license either. But holiness. So notice what he says with me. Okay, let's look at verse 14, 15 and 16. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to your former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to see three things about personal holiness that you and I need to grasp, okay? Now, these are not three rules. Actually, can I be honest with you? That would be easy. If I just got up here and said, hey, folks, I'm going to give you 10 things that you should not do for personal holiness, that would seem easy. Oh, by the way, I think God already did that. It's called the Ten Commandments, right? How good are we at doing that? Not good. So here's what personal holiness is from these verses. You do not have to live in ignorance that is driven by your desires. That's what he's saying here in verse 14. As obedient children, when you respond to him, because of the grace that's shown to you, you take control of your mind. You live soberly, taking control of your actions. You're resting your hope on the gospel, on the salvation that is to come. You don't have to live ignorantly right now being driven by whatever your desires are. You don't have to. You say, well, George, that's not easy. I've tried that. I mean, I've tried. I've said to myself, I, I mean, I've done this. I've woke up in the morning. First thing that comes out of my mind is, Lord, I'm going to do something different today. I am not going to give in to whatever I want to do. I'm just going to do what you want me to do. And you know what? I go to bed in the evening defeated. I understand that. But it doesn't have to be that way. See, because here's the thing. If I do what he's telling me to do to take control, yes, at first, it's going to be difficult. But if you work at it, sooner or later, it just becomes a part of your life. Do you know what I mean? That's the Christian life, my friends. Listen. He says to you in personal holiness, don't live in ignorance by your desires. And he tells you how to do that. Take control of your mind, live soberly, rest your hope. Now that doesn't mean immediately tomorrow, okay, I'm going to do it. We're going to pick you up on the side of the road like you would pick me up if I was running that marathon. 
but you pick yourself up. And you keep going on. Isn't it interesting that God describes the Christian life like walking? Psalm 37. I told you it's my favorite psalm. Steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord and he delights in them. Though he yet stumble, he will not utterly be cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. God's right there to pick you up, brush you off, tell you keep going. You ever notice the issue isn't how to run the race, the issue is finishing the race in the Bible. The issue isn't how you run the race, the issue is finishing the race. So you stumble, you pick yourself up. First thing you do in personal holiness is, is you move to the place where you are no longer living your life driven by your desires because that's just ignorance. Okay, here's the second thing. He tells us here. You can pursue personal holiness. That's the second point he's making here. When he says in verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. He is basically saying that it is possible for you to be the person God wants you to be, to live the way God wants you to live. So you've got to have that in your mind. It's not conforming yourself to a list of rules, but it's being the person that he wants you to be. Not driven by your lusts of your desires of what you want to do, because lust there doesn't just mean sexual lust. It means lust, like maybe you saw that new truck and you have to have it. No, you can pursue personal holiness. That's what he's saying here. So finally, here's what he says. This is something you have to do. You have to grasp this truth. This is the truth he wants you to grasp. God, who is holy, calls you to be holy as well. God, who is holy, calls you to be holy as well. All right, so what am I, what am I saying here? How do you, how do you, what do you do with that? What do you, what do you, I mean, that's the truth. You're telling me how I'm supposed to live personally holiness, and well, that's not telling me anything. That's just telling me what I already know. What do you do with that? Well, you let it guide you. God calls you to a guiding principle. I'm holy, therefore you be holy. But you don't need to be driven by fear with that. You are actually to be driven by hope with that. What do you mean hope? Because he's given you everything you need to be able to do it. So as you get up in the morning and you decide that you're going to live the way that he wants you to live, and yes, you may stumble, but remember what it says, though he yet stumbled, the Lord upholds him with his hands. Isn't that what David said? You can what? Have hope. God, you call me to be holy. I can be holy because you call me and you'll help me to be holy. And then you can live the life God calls you to. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. 
at Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.